We read from Romans 12, 3 to 8 last week. And I wonder if I can invite you to stand and read together this passage, Romans 12, 3 to 8. Amen. Let's read it together. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. It is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Amen. Please be seated. I don't know if you still have your worksheets with you or if there are any spare, but last week we gave out some worksheets with some, just a few sections for you to, to complete. Again, for those watching online, if you go below the video, click on the description. There's a link there. You can download the worksheets so you can feel a part of what we're, we're doing here. But we'll come back to that to, towards the end of the message today, God willing. So what I intend to do is not go over in detail what uh, I shared last week. The, the video is up on um, YouTube. Anybody wants to, to see that? And also in our podcast uh, site, it's there as well. As well as all the messages we've been preaching over many weeks. It's good sometimes to recap and uh, allow God to speak afresh to us from those uh, messages. So last week we looked at this passage and... I shared with you that God has designed for us, us being the church, us being the family of God, us being the body of Christ, to work together. And there are two primary images in the scripture that speaks to this. And the first is that of family. So the church can be seen as a family. And remember I shared that we are brothers, we are sisters in Christ, and the family is made up of all different people with different temperaments, different personalities, different quirks, and so on. We have people in our families that everyone gets along with, and we have people in our families that sometimes it's difficult to get, get along with, with them, but nonetheless, they're part of the family, and we have to love them. Remember, I said sometimes it's difficult to like people, you might not like their ways their attitude, but if they're family, you still have to love them. Can't cast them away. They're part of the family. And then we looked at the second image of that of the church being described in the scripture as the body of Christ. 
and that's all of us um, are members of the body, as the scripture we just read. Though there are many members, so the scripture was read for us. Though we are many members, we are one body in Christ, and we all have individual functions in the body. All can't be the eye, because if all was the eye, well, who would be listening? You know, all can't be the heart, and, and so on. So we have different functions in the body, but we have to work together. Just as your body, you know, for me to stand here, there's some coordination going on. The whole body is cooperating with whatever my brain is telling it to do. Okay, so we've got to work together as a body. And the body of Christ, in us being united and working together, doesn't make us all as individuals the same. If you can move forward to the next slide, please. So I hope this helps you to get it. So in the body of Christ, there is unity, and that unity comes from Christ. And Our role is to keep that unity, not to create the unity. Our role is to keep that unity. So the body of Christ is more like the fruit salad, not the smoothie. God doesn't want us all to look the same and you, you know, you put us all in a blender and we end up like the smoothie. No, we have our individual personalities, characteristics, but when you have a fruit salad, still nice, isn't it? Yeah, so that's, that's how I see the body. We're not a, a giant smoothie. We're not all meant to look the same and act the same and agree on every single point. But yet, when we're together in unity, God blesses that unity. It says in, in Psalm 133, there the Lord commands his blessing when we dwell together in unity. Amen? So I want to move forward now to look more into this passage from Romans 12. And it's important that we know ourselves. The Apostle Paul exhorts us here in this chapter that we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, but think with sober judgment as God has given each of us a measure of faith. Knowing yourself is is absolutely important. And you may think you know yourself, but you know, I tell you, that life's challenges and circumstances, certainly in my life, reveals more of who I am and what is in my heart. You know, as I said, you know, when, you, when the squeeze is on, what's inside will come out. So I want to speak to some misconceptions that we have in terms of how we think of ourselves. Because the scripture is saying that we should think of ourselves with sober judgment. I want to look at this passage in Ephesians 2.10 briefly. We are told there that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's a powerful scripture, isn't it? Created as God's workmanship. That word workmanship could, you could substitute the word masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. Did you know that you're, you're God's masterpiece? 
Pity you haven't got a mirror because you could look at yourself right now. But tell someone next to you, you are a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. A masterpiece is valuable, isn't it? Yeah, any masterpiece goes to auction, it's going to fetch a high price. Well, you know, you are a masterpiece. And that word masterpiece comes from the word poem. Poem. You are God's poem. I don't know if you've ever written a poem or if you've written a song or many, many of us here have had to do assignments for courses, maybe an essay or something. But if you've had to fulfill something like that, you have to put thought into it, don't you? Unless it's like a divinely inspired song that just comes and, you know, but usually if you're writing a poem or a song or doing an essay, you have to put thought, you have to put structure into it. So you, 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 you are God's poem. Think about it. You're not just some haphazard person that just popped into being. God thought about you before he created you. So your height, your belly, no, 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 not your belly, I mean your height, (laughs) your IQ, the color of your eyes, your eyelashes, the size of your feet. God thought about you. You are God's poem. God's saying, when he, when he was creating you, I'm going to create a masterpiece. Listen to this. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. So God put much thought into this poem, into this masterpiece. When he was creating you, because he has good works, which in advance he has prepared for you to do. Are you getting that this morning? Amen. So it's important to, 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 to know that because we see in our world people trying to find themselves and do all sorts of things to stand out, to make them unique. You, you really don't have to get caught up with that, you know. Once you recognize you're a masterpiece, you're God's poem, you are uniquely created, uniquely gifted. God thought about you. And God thought, I want person X or brother Y or sister Z. This is what I have in mind for you. So I'm going to create you to look like this, your facial features. Everything, God thought about that because he has something in mind for you to do. That's important for us as believers to grasp. Very important to understand that you were created for a unique, individual, special purpose that only you can fulfill. And those things that God has prepared for you, only you can fulfill those things. Amen. Are you getting that this morning? The way we think is so important. Because if, you think, if you're a believer and you're not thinking in that way, it will affect the way you live your life. Right thinking 
leads to right living. Say that with me, please. Right thinking leads to right living. If we haven't got it sorted up here, that's why if you go to the top of the chapter, we didn't read it, but Romans 12 verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world. How do you do that? But be transformed by the renovating of your mind. In other words, let your mind be transformed by the word of God, by right thinking. There is absolutely no way you can live right if you think wrong. You cannot live right if you're thinking wrong. And that's why, you know, sometimes we put a lot of emphasis on exterior, what we do, but really it's what we can't see that we should be focusing on. Our thought lives. What are we thinking? What are we spending our time meditating on? Nobody can really see that, but in a way it works itself out, doesn't it, In, in, in our actions. But we have to think right to live right. That's why we come to church. That's why we, we listen to the preachers and the teachers. That's why we sing the songs. Because our minds continually need to be renewed. And in that renewing of our minds, yes, we are gaining a greater appreciation of God and the depth of his love. But we are also, or we should also be understanding ourselves better. On this journey of life. So the scripture says that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Because that's going to create a problem in the body of Christ. If we go around and we think we're better than everybody else. For whatever reason. That's going to create a problem. It's going to create issues in the body of Christ. So we have to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And we have a tendency to do this. Let's just put our hands up and be honest with this. You know? We have a tendency. You know, all of us think that the universe revolves around us. You know? Because we're humans. We have a fallen nature. And we do that. But there are ways and means to bring ourselves to that place where we humble ourselves before God. And it begins with how we think. And that's why we've got the February challenge. That's why I'm asking you to commit the word of God to memory. Because it will affect the way that we think. And in turn it will work itself out in the way that we live. Can you wait for February now? Because we're going to be changed. We're going to be changed as we memorize and recite the word of God. Amen? We are. So let me just look at three aspects of this issue of not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. First, we must not be arrogant or prideful about our salvation. We must always see ourselves as sinners saved by the grace of God. We're not worthy than anybody else to be saved. Because we know that you cannot deserve salvation. You cannot earn it. You cannot, you cannot merit it. So therefore, there should not be any 
so-called spiritual snobs in the body of Christ. You know, because of my family heritage or whatever. You know, my dad was a pastor, his dad was a pastor, and his dad was a pastor. So what? You still can't save yourself. (laughs) There's nothing that we can boast about in regards to our salvation and our standing in Jesus Christ. So when I think about this, you know, the, the scripture tells us in Proverbs that one of the things that God hates, one of the things that God detests is pride. God hates a, pri- a proud heart. So that's saying to me that probably one of the things that God likes the best or loves is a, a person of humility. Because that's really the opposite, isn't it? Of pride. And also, the scripture comes to mind from uh, Peter, I think it's First Peter 5, that God resists the proud. That, that, I mean, that's strong, isn't it? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we must not think more highly of ourselves or be arrogant about our salvation. You know, whether that's how long we've been saved, how long we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, who we're related to. We're all saved by grace, not of works, or else we will boast about it, be proudful about it. Secondly, we must not be arrogant about our contribution to the kingdom. You know, I've been in this church for 50 years. You know how much money I give for this church? You know how I did this and I did that? Yeah, do it. But you know, if you do those things with the wrong motive, on that day when they're put in the fire, ashes come out the bottom. So it's not just about what we do, but the motive which we do and work in the kingdom. We should not be arrogant about our contribution to the kingdom. Nobody is indispensable. Not even the pastor. If anything happens to me and I have to leave this church, they'll find another pastor to come here. And same with all of us, we're not indispensable. So we should not be arrogant or boast about our contribution to the kingdom. But rather just give God thanks that we're able to contribute to the extension of his kingdom. Working together as a team, again, it's so important. You know, it brings to mind, you know, if you're into sports or into music, there's lots of examples in regards to this. You know, there's, there's no one team or there shouldn't be one team that's totally reliant on one player. Pick a football team, and if that player that everyone's depending on is injured, what happens? The team begins to lose. So, you know, it's better in my view, and as I see in the scripture, that we work as a team as opposed to just relying on one individual person. It doesn't matter how good I may be, say, as a guitarist. If the rest of the band is out of tune, out of time, it ain't going to sound good, is it? It's about team. It's about how we work together and how we understand each other's roles and work together. I always wonder about the person in the orchestra that plays the triangle. 
for half the symphony they just sit down and can have a cup of tea not doing nothing but when the time for the triangle to come in have you ever watched the orchestra how they hit the triangle with such pride they don't just go like this That's how we ought to play our part in the body of Christ. Even if you're the triangle player. Strike that triangle with such enthusiasm. Like you're playing the most important note in the whole of that symphony. Amen. Because you are uniquely gifted. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's poem. Don't forget that. I want to look at another side of arrogance now, which is sometimes we have the tendency to belittle ourselves and to think of ourselves less than we ought to. But did you know that is also a form of arrogance? It's still a form of pride because if God says to us, you are my masterpiece, I thought about you, you're my poem." I have created you to fulfill specific purposes in the earth that no one else can fulfill. And if you say, God, well, I don't believe that. I can't do that. That means that you're kind of overriding what God has said about you. So it's still a form of arrogance. It's still a form of pride. We have to think right about ourselves. And I heard this description of humility some years ago, which I love. I can't remember who I got it from but it was some preacher or teacher and he says that what we should do is stand as tall as we can so I don't have to concern myself with another brother or sister if I stand tall well I'm going to make them look shorter than me no I stand as tall as I can and do the very best I can but then I look up and see how great God is and then that keeps me in the place where I need to be because it doesn't matter how tall I stand, how excellent the works that I do, it cannot even compare to the greatness and the power and the majesty of our almighty God. So I want to encourage somebody here. Don't belittle yourself. Don't put yourself down. Don't say, well, it's just me. I'm lacking in this. I never had that. If I had this, I probably would have been able to contribute more to the kingdom. No, your journey and where God has brought you to means that you can contribute. Because you're God's masterpiece. You're God's poem. Yes, some of us have gone through storms and we've been battered from left to right. But you know, something that is of value keeps its value. Because God, it's not the world that's putting his price tag on you. Because when sale time comes, they mark it down 50%. That ever vex you? You buy something in the shop and you come back in two months' time, slash down 50% off. That doesn't happen to you, the child of God. You keep your value. Why? Because you are God's masterpiece. You're God's poem. Even when you've been battered, even when you've been bruised, even when you've been disappointed, even when you've let yourself down, you're still God's masterpiece. You're still his poem. 
He still has good works for you to do. So don't give up on yourself. Amen. So we should not be arrogant about our salvation. Shouldn't boast about that. We shouldn't be arrogant about our contribution to the kingdom. And neither should we look at ourselves and put ourselves down because God has put much thought into creating us. Amen. I think I've said it many times already that God has equipped us to fulfill what he has created us for. And last week we spent a bit of time just looking at some of the spiritual gifts, charismata, in Romans chapter 12. So I'm not going to go through those gifts again. But God's given us gifts and abilities, not just to have, obviously. But God has given us those gifts, those spiritual gifts and those abilities to employ those gifts and abilities in his kingdom. So we are on a journey because, you know, we have to discover why has God gifted me? Why has God gifted you? Why has God created you the way he has created you? That's something that you discover on your journey. And sometimes that changes, if I'm being honest with you. I'm a pastor now. I wasn't a pastor 20 years ago. But God knew I would be. So we're all on a journey. And sometimes what God wants us to do is different today from what he will want us to do tomorrow in the future or what we've done in the past. I find that there are two common objectives when we talk about spiritual gifts. When we look at this issue of how do we mobilize the church and get more people engaged. So those who may be on the periphery, how do we get them more into the center, into the heart of, of ministry? And I find that there are two common objectives. The first one is, the reason why I'm not engaged, the reason why I'm not involved, is because nobody has asked me. Would anybody admit to that? No one's ever asked me to get involved in ministry at Harvest Temple. So I don't get involved. That's one of the common objectives that I've found. Well, I would say to you that we as believers have the responsibility on our journey to find out from God, God, what would you have me to do? And I will say to you with an honest heart, that it's, it's difficult in church leadership to sometimes approach people or even place people. Because a lot of the time, I'm, I'm, I'm asking God to lead me and place me where I need to be. Never mind placing everybody else. And I'm just being honest with you. So I'm saying, don't let the excuse that nobody has ever asked me. Don't let that stop you from searching and praying and finding out the heart of God for you. And when you discover that, then you can volunteer yourself. The second objection that I've found is that uh, some will say, well, the way I'm gifted in church, there's no area in my particular church that I can exercise that gift. And one of the things that we're looking at as, as leadership is how can we create clear pathways 
for people to engage in. There's loads of opportunities, I can tell you, in this church. But sometimes you may have a unique gift that doesn't quite fit into what we're doing. Well, that's something that we can have a discussion about. And I'm not promising from this platform that every idea that comes forward, that as a church we have the capacity to take on board. But sometimes you have unique gifting that doesn't quite fit succinctly into the way we're set up as a church. And that's okay. Because it may be that God wants us to create new ministries. Or perhaps God would have you to connect with another agency, an external charity or a parachurch organization that can benefit from your gifts and your anointing that's on your life. So I'm sharing this to say, let's not use these excuses, and of course there may be any others. No one's asked me. What I have to offer doesn't fit into what this church is is delivering in terms of ministry. And there are other objects as well. Don't allow those things to prevent us from becoming engaged in the work of God. One thing I can say with you from an honest heart, that when you are where God wants you to be, it doesn't matter what the challenges are, there's a joy. There's a joy in your heart. There's a, there's a spring in your step. There's an enthusiasm that comes out of your spirit. Not because everything's going perfect. Not because you're hitting all the targets and all the goals. But because you know you are where. God wants you to be. That's where I am as your pastor. I know I am where God wants me to be. And that's what keeps me. That's why I got up this morning early, ready to come to church. Ready to come and worship God, to fellowship and worship God together. Not because my world is perfect. Not because I've got all the ducks in a row. But I know, despite whatever challenges I have, I am where God wants me to be. And that energizes me and gives me a sense of completeness. I want to conclude today, and I'll say this is an ongoing thing, so we're going to definitely come back to it in the book of uh, Nehemiah. All of this that I'm saying, we're going to, we're going to uh, unpack it as we go through Nehemiah, as you see everyone in that chapter. Uh, playing their role in the rebuilding of the wall. There was only one group. There was only one group that didn't want to get their hands dirty. But apart from that one group, you see everybody, everybody playing their role in the rebuilding of the wall. So I want to conclude, uh, bring some suggestions to you. First, I'm going to ask that all of us take our role as part of this church here, Harvest Temple, or if you're watching, as part of whatever church you belong to, let's take it seriously. Let's take our role seriously. Amen? Refuse to just be content. And this is a challenge. Refuse to be content with just attending church. God wants this church to be a great church. And for this church to be a great church, we have to move beyond just being content 
to just watch the stream or just come on Sunday morning and then the rest of the week we don't engage in any, any sort of team and working together. For this church to be great, we, we've got to move beyond that. We've got to move beyond that. We all have to be contributing, whether it's from, you know, the front where it can be seen or in the background. And I know there's lots of people who are contributing in many ways, even ways that I probably have not acknowledged. But God sees and God knows. But we, I want us as a church, hear my heart, church. I'm not scolding anybody or anything like that. I'm just saying... As I uh, look out and as I see 2022, as I see what's happening in our world, time is short. We cannot, in this time, just be content to just come to church. We have to take seriously what God has committed to us. And that's going to mean, I'm telling you, some, some investment of your time, maybe your finance, in yourself and in whatever God's called you to do. But we have to take seriously what God has called us to do. We have to dare to believe God for greater things than we can even imagine as a church that we'd be able to achieve. But by God's grace. Amen? Is anybody, can anybody bless the Lord? Amen, amen. I'm just sharing... From my heart, I'm being, I'm being honest with you. I'm not pulling any punches. We have to take God, his work, his kingdom, absolutely seriously. Seriously. Amen. The second suggestion is, I want all of us, including myself, to embark on this journey to discover our ministry in Harvest Temple, or if you're in another church, your ministry in whatever church you're a part of. See it as, I don't know, an adventure. God, what are you calling me to do in this season, in 2022? How am I going to engage in ministry? And for some of you, you're already engaged in ministry. But how am I going to find my place in Harvest Temple? You can do that, obviously, as you're praying, as you're reading. Perhaps, you know, we're, study, we're going to study the life of Nehemiah, so I'm hoping that will inspire us all. But, you know, reading a biography of a, a godly person, There's many things that we can do. God can speak to us through nature. God can speak to us in so many ways. But I want us to make it a quest to find out our specific and unique purpose. Why? Because you're God's masterpiece. You're God's poem. A poem is not written to just be put on on the shelf. A poem is written to be heard, isn't it? So that when I write my poem from my life experience, someone else hears it and they connect with it. I remember doing a funeral last year and this, this, this guy wrote a poem for his mom. And I'm telling you, I said to him after the funeral, I called him aside, I said, you need to publish that poem. Because that poem was as if I wrote it. And he was saying to me like, really? He didn't even recognize the gift that God had given him. But we have to take God seriously and we have to discover, go on a quest to discover 
our purpose. Thirdly, we have to be attentive for ways to employ what God has equipped us to do. As I said, no point just having a gift or knowing this is my purpose. How are you going to use that in practical ways? So there, 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 uh, um, there's a multiplicity of, 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 of ways that we can employ ourselves in the work of the ministry in this church to make what we do here in terms of reaching the kingdom uh, creative. And sometimes we have to think outside the box. Sometimes we have to be creative in, in how we use our gifting. One of the things I celebrate in this church and have been celebrating over the past few months is to see those who have written their books, like Reverend Ashana, uh, Reverend Shasmith, Sister Curlin's got a book coming out. I, I just applaud that. Because there's no book writing department in Harvest Temple. But you have something burning in your heart that you know is going to impact lives. So you don't have to come to me and ask for permission. Pastor, can I write a book? Sometimes we have to think outside the box. We have songwriters here. We have great musicians here. We have great thinkers here. Great developers here. God has blessed you in your experience with many, many skills. How can we? And this ain't going to happen overnight, believe me. So this, there's going to be some frustration in this process. But that's part of the, that's part of the process. I, I understand that. There'll be some frustration, maybe some even disappointment. But we have to look at how we can work together. Amen? Amen. And then finally, I want to encourage you to take God at his word take God at his word you have a significant contribution to make to the life of this church and to the kingdom of God because you are God's you are God's you are God's masterpiece you are God's poem amen I want to return to the worksheets. Some of you may have it with you. You may have completed it. Maybe you haven't got to that point yet. But we looked at three questions last week. General principles, which I I hope will help all of us on this journey of discovery. What am I good at? What am I good at? These are questions to ask yourself. Where is my passion? What things do you have a passion for? And what do others say about you? What abilities do others think you have? What passions do they see in you? I want us to continue to ponder these questions. Even though I'm kind of bringing to a close the, this, this part of the message. But I said we will return to it because the journey we're, we're, we're going to go on. Because I know that God wants more of us to be engaged in ministry, and to work together. The enemy is smart. You know, a kingdom divided against itself. Can't stand, can't be successful. So the enemy will try everything to dislodge us from where we ought to be. But we have to make that effort to strive for unity and working together. Can we stand together and let us pray?
I want us to pray that God will, on our journey, speak to us. Speak to us. And reveal to us. Why he created us. Why am I here? To think of ourselves as we ought to be thinking. Right thinking leads to, leads to right living. Leads to right engagement in ministry. Right thinking. So important. Let's go to God in prayer as we just consider these things. God of all creation, we worship and bless your name. We thank you that we were created in your image and your likeness. We thank you, God, that you've created each of us as a masterpiece, a poem. You made us unique, gifted us with abilities and anointings, Lord, to fulfill works that you've already prepared for us to do. Lord, unite us together as a church, even closer than we've ever been before. That in this season and in this year of 2022, we will work together in such a way that the impact will be seen and felt, not only in our personal lives and families, but in this community where you have placed us like a tree by the rivers of water. May we bring forth fruit. Bear fruit, Lord, in, in this season, in every season. And as the challenge has gone out, Lord, may each of us see it as a quest to draw near to you and to seek our place in this local fellowship or those watching whatever fellowship they belong to and for those who are watching and not a part of a fellowship I, I just want to say to you the scripture says forsake not the assembling of ourselves together we need to be connected to the body you need to be connected to the body so that's a word for somebody out there you know who you are so Lord we thank you that you are developing team ministry in this local church we thank you father hallelujah and we bless your name speak lord in the week as people are musing as they are listening to uh, music as they're walking along the street as they read the scripture speak lord and may we say speak lord we are listening in Jesus' name.